Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. that introduction and I am so excited it's a new year and we have so many wonderful incredible guests lined up for you on never ever give up hope every single one of my guests and I've had well over 200 now have brought so much for my listening audience so much uh, encouragement and tips and coping skills and incredible stories, sometimes jaw-dropping stories of where they have been, but more importantly, where they are going and how they survived that transition. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 120 countries, and it just indicates to me stronger every day that no matter where you are coming from, no matter what country you live in, no matter what your financial or educational background is or any background in any area, you are looking for hope and you're looking for stories of hope. We're looking for ways to make our lives better, to improve and to help one another. And each of my guests have been able to do that and I appreciate them as I appreciate all my listeners. With me today, I have Jeremy Vermeulen. He is a motivational speaker who focuses on believing in yourself, and he also focuses on leadership. We all need to hear this message. Every single one of us, no matter how confident we are, we always can learn from someone who will teach us how to even better believe in ourselves and what we are capable of doing. Jeremy suffered from serious depression himself, and so he knows what he's talking about. He now coaches those who may be going through the same thing. He's going to share his story with us, and he's going to share some tips today as well. So thank you, Jeremy, and welcome, Jeremy. Well, thank you for having me, Carol. I, I really appreciate it. It's a great honor. Absolutely. We're going to have a good time today. <clears throat> Excuse me, learning how to be encouraged, right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what really life is all about, is a, is a lot of encouragement to help us get through those dark days. Absolutely. And no one's immune. Everyone has had them. So tell us about your lowest point, Jeremy, what you went through, you know, share a little bit about that and how you decided not to allow depression to control your life. So basically, it's a twofold question. Okay. Well, a little bit about me, my lowest point. Wow. Um, 
I think about it often because it's something I talk about uh, every time I speak. I was at work one day and just on a Saturday afternoon, just kind of waiting for phone calls to come in because I'm working at a call center. You just kind of sit there and wait. And uh, Saturdays are a very boring day. Uh, So at this point in time, I had only been really dealing with depression. uh, And I didn't even realize that it was depression at this point in time. Uh, for maybe about you know two weeks, so all these thoughts of you know sadness and everything uh, that goes along with depression were really really prominent in my mind at that point in time, and that's all I could really think about. So as I'm kind of sitting back and relaxing and, and waiting, and all these thoughts are running through my mind, I'm kind of looking at everything on uh, my desk in front of me, and I came across these Mardi Gras beads uh, that had been given to us for a celebration at work. And when I'm looking at these, all I, all I can think about is taking them and kind of wrapping them around my head and then squeezing as tight as I could around my neck. Wow. Yeah. And it it was really, really scary. I mean, for me, I had never been one of those people that ever thought about hurting themselves, uh, at least on a purpose. You know, we fall down, we get scrapes and bumps and stuff like that, but not on purpose. So to think that kind of thought really, really shocked me because where was my mind going? So I instantly think, you know, I'm broken. There is absolutely something wrong with me. My mind has, I've lost my mind. It really wasn't that, um, you know, I was depressed and didn't know it. When you were in therapy, one of the things that they usually discuss with you is your childhood. So I'm assuming that that would be something that you have thought about. And if you could share what your childhood was like, it might help some of my listeners to relate with you in that respect as well. Oh, absolutely, Carol. Um, My childhood um, was kind of normal for the most part, Um, you know, up until about second grade. Uh, You know, I had two loving parents. They were married. You know, we were the middle class, the normal middle class family. Um, But when I was in second grade, about halfway through, so I was about, what, eight years old or so, seven, eight years old, my parents got divorced, uh, which doesn't seem, you know, really out of the normal. uh, But it really was because, you know, most parents will separate and they live relatively close to each other. Well, my mother moved with me and my brother to Washington State. So my dad stayed here in Pennsylvania. We moved to Washington State. So we were 3,000 miles away from my father. Mm. So when you know you look at parents that separate, my parents, like literally, they separated like to opposite <laughs> ends of the United States, which was, for me, that was kind of odd and difficult because you know I don't get to see my dad every day now, where I'm used to you know get off the bus and I see my dad or I see him later on in the day when he gets off of work. Now it's just me, my brother, and my mom. And we're living with her sister, an aunt that I had no idea who this person was. I'm meeting them for the first time <laughs> after traveling in a car, pulling a little U-Haul behind it. Kind of, kind of different. The nice thing, though, that was that came out of that is even though my dad was 3,000 miles away, he always found a way to get in contact with us. You know, back then we didn't have the technology, we didn't have cell phones. Right. It was just a telephone or write us a letter. But he always found a way, no matter how many times we moved, and we moved about in a two-year span, about four times. And I went to about two to three different schools during that time. So as a kid growing up in, in that very crucial time where you know, you're making, you're supposed to be making 
you know, high school friends that, you know, are maybe you'll, well, I should say childhood friends that'll carry into high school and then maybe carrying on to, for the rest of your life, I'm meeting new people like almost six, every six months. Were you and angry at your parents for that? I wasn't angry. I was actually sad. Okay. I was sad because I didn't want them to be apart. I wanted us to be a family. And it wasn't until my mom sent us back to live with my dad two years later, which I was right around 10 years old. That's when I actually became very angry because when I came to live with my dad, now he had a fiance who later on became my stepmom and I had a new brother. Mm. So that's when my life really got angry. Like I became very mm. angry because I was very jealous of my brother uh, or I should say my stepbrother. I was very angry that my dad was getting remarried and to this woman who, you know, who is she to replace, you know, these are the thoughts I have as a kid, of who course. is she to replace my mom, you know? And so I lashed out because I've had this conversation with my stepmom. You know, I used to lash out a lot and, and, and take it out on her and it wasn't her fault, but I was a kid. I didn't know mm. any better, you know, and I had talked about this with my, with my stepmom about, you know, me lashing out. Cause I didn't remember these things, you know, these were things that kind of got blocked. Mm-hmm memory uh so i had talked to her about that and you know it it kind of made me it made me feel bad about that but when i was 20 years old one of the things that really uh came to mind uh after being so angry with her for such a long time Mm. is i realized at 20 years old after i moved out uh and my oldest daughter was born that everything that she did for me from the time that i got off that plane at 10 years old and even to this day uh, I'm now 38 years old. Uh, both my parents, um, my dad and stepmom, who I now call my mom because she is the woman that raised me. I'm very grateful for everything that she did uh, because if it wasn't for her, uh, I wouldn't have uh, the work ethic, the the kindness in my heart mm, and things like that because of her. And I actually became very grateful for that in apologized to her and thanked her so much for being that woman that she is. Uh, so through anger came appreciation and gratitude for a woman that didn't have to do what she did uh, for me as a kid. All those things that came into my life uh, were, were really good. But if I go back to when I first moved back with my dad when I was 10, uh, it wasn't the same as when I was living with my mom. My mother who is still in Washington state. Now I'm in Pennsylvania with my dad and my stepmom. She wasn't calling like my dad did. She would call every once in a while to see how we're doing, you know, and the more years that went by, the less and less the phone calls became. And those phone calls would be loaded with promises of, Oh, I'm going to send you some Christmas presents or, Oh, your birthday's coming up. What do you want for your birthday? And we'd have this expectation of, you know, a card or birthday presents or Christmas presents didn't always happen. They, you know, sometimes they would come, sometimes they wouldn't. If I had to give you numbers, I'd probably say it was a 50-50 shot. So that would put you into depression all by itself. Oh, yeah, that definitely could have put me into depression. And I was and I know I was sad, but it, it all that stuff always came out as anger for me as a kid. You know, I get angry and and I would cry as a as a young uh, man. I would cry about that because it was sad because the only at that age, all I could think about 
is why doesn't my mom love me? You know, this woman that yes. gave birth to me that's supposed to be the person that shows me love, uh, compassion, holds me at night when I'm sick, all these things that, you know, I do it as, as a father now. Why wasn't she there to do that for me? So I would get sad and I would get angry. You know, a whole gambit of emotions would come across uh, my, my mental status as a kid. You know, I, I, I was resentful. Any emotion that you could probably think of, right? Of course, uh, really, really came out of me. Yes, yes. So fast forward now, then mm-hmm. to you're back in therapy after this incident that you had mm-hmm. with the beads, and of course they would have obviously talked to you about your childhood. Did you see mm-hmm. then that it was the same pattern, or that that you were depressed since you were a child? Well. Looking back on it, yeah, I think there was definitely uh, depression that was involved in my childhood. Didn't know that it was – that's uh-huh. what it was called because back you know, back in the late 80s, 90s, uh, depression was not something that was really talked right. about inside right. the home. You know, you would say, oh, my kid's sad today or you – know, and there wasn't – I don't want to say there was no medication because I didn't know anybody that was on medication for that, but it wasn't something that you wanted to go and put your kids on right. either. Even if you did know that there was something wrong with them like that, um, you didn't want to put them on that. So was I probably depressed at times? Absolutely. I, I can almost say without a shadow of a doubt and being able to, you know, when I talk to a, uh, a counselor, being able to talk to them about some of that stuff, what things were going on in my life now there's definitely was a pattern of I always felt like I had to prove myself to other people, you know, regardless yes, of who they yes, were. Yes. Always feeling like I had to prove myself. Like I have to be so good at sports. I have to be so good at this. And it's funny because my schoolwork was the one thing that I never tried to impress anybody. I just tried to get by. <laughs> In school, I always just was like, oh, I, I got to see I'm good enough. <laughs> It was everything else that I did, uh, you know, and I took that into my adult life with work too. You know, my my way of feeling respected and admired and having power and all these things that uh, we think should make us feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. I was doing it to get admiration and respect from other people instead of just already respecting myself and understanding that I don't have to have a certain position. I don't have to make a certain amount of money. I don't have to have X thing or Y thing in order to feel good, feel happy. But because I put all that pressure on myself, you know, I snapped. And that's what drove me into that depressive state because of everything I built up from my childhood, carried into my adult life and never really dealt with. I just kind of let all my emotion, all my stress build up. You know, my my parents always said, I am and I know this is uh, an actual thing, uh, that I was an uh, explosive uh, person when it came to stress. Like I would let stress build up and and just kind of push me down Mm. until all of a sudden one thing would just trigger and I would yell and scream and get angry and then it would go away and I'd be right back to doing the same cycle over and over and over again. So where was your pivot point where this changed? Well, going through therapy – uh, really opened my eyes up to uh, being able to manage my stress, understanding what managing stress is, and really feeling my emotions instead of just kind of 
the only emotion that I want to feel is happiness, understanding that there are other emotions and it's all right to feel sad and it's okay to feel angry. You know, all these things that, you know, I try to push to the side, got to feel happy all the time, got to feel good all the time. It's all right to have those other emotions. Of course. So along with the counseling, my stepbrother was getting into network marketing and he wanted me to get into network marketing. And this was right after about a year of learning to manage my stress and everything like that after I had seen the counselor. So I did some research in network marketing and I actually found some, some people, I found other speakers and, um, you know, some people know the other speakers, some people don't, um, Jim Rohn, uh, was very pivotal. Uh, one of his, uh, four hour seminars that he did. And, uh, there's also a speaker who I really enjoy listening to. His name's Eric Thomas. I watched these two videos and they absolutely changed my life. Really? Yeah, they were, they were life changing because they made me think of other people. They made me think of not just, you know, the bad things in life. They made me think of the good things in life and they helped me realize that I can get through anything. You know, mm-hmm. My mind stronger than what I want to give it credit for. Like I actually have a stronger mind in that if I can really just focus when I start to feel bad, if I can focus on what is around me right now, what do I have in my life right now that is good, Right. I, you know, I can pull myself out of those sad states and get back to a happy state and learn. You know, and Jim Rohn was big on learning, self-education, you know, not the normal uh, traditional education. He really focused on learning from life in all aspects of life, not just reading books, but every interaction, like our conversation here, learning from this conversation. Uh, and that intrigued me because I've always been a learner, uh, maybe not so much in school, but I've always enjoyed learning, you know, history and anything I can kind of get my hands on it and, and give myself knowledge with. Uh, so those two things combine, you know, learning that life is, is really good and uh, you can pull yourself out of a depressive state with some help and then learning, continuous learning. I learn, I try to learn every day uh, if it's possible. So those things were really my tipping point into my life is going to be awesome again. I'm going to get back to awesome. Now, when you are sharing this, whether you're in a, in a coaching session or in a speaking session, mm-hmm. do you share if there are any times and if it's okay to fail during this process? Oh, yes. And then go back? Like, is that to be expected? I think life is full of failures. Um, and I don't mean by failures like you failed at life. Like we all have times where we might fall down in that we have to maybe reevaluate the direction that we were heading and say, okay, maybe this wasn't the direction that I needed to go. Maybe I need to go left when I went right. Right. So we can reevaluate those situations because we're going to fall down. But if we can pick ourselves back up and reevaluate what we were doing, was this the right decision? Was it a not so good decision? I think we can really succeed when we actually feel like we failed. Now, you are a youth basketball coach as well. You probably use a lot of this type of uh, skills in teaching when you're coaching as you would coach a team, correct? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, It's one of the big things that I really try to incorporate into 
the coaching aspect of these kids. Cause I deal, the kids that I get to coach are between ages 13 and 15, a very, very pivotal age in, oh in, in my the goodness. kid's life. Yes. Yes. Because they're right at that point where, uh, they're in middle school. They're, you know, some of their friends have changed, uh, changes are going on with in, inside them, uh, personally, uh, they're really discovering who am I as a person? What do I believe in? Uh, what do I feel? Who do I trust? And the group of kids that, you know, not only are they 13 through 15, but they're inner city kids too. Uh, so they're not always coming from the best households. Right. So there's that little extra emphasis in on me as a coach to make sure that if I say I'm going to do something, I better do it. And if I don't do it, then I've got to expect the repercussions of that. And that could come as an attitude from a kid. That could be kids not trying as hard uh, when it comes to practice or games. So I've really got to hold myself accountable to that. So when I'm holding myself accountable, I make sure they hold themselves accountable. And I really try to teach them uh, these little simple things, these life lessons that I incorporate into coaching. So I try to make it that I'm not trying to teach them about life. I'm trying to teach them about basketball, but it's really about their life and what they can expect as they grow into adults and trying to take all these little things that they're learning in basketball and incorporate, you know, just maybe if it's just a little bit of they hear it and they're like, you know, I remember coach telling me this once. That's I didn't ever think this would really apply to my life. I thought he was just, trying to tell me how to be a better, better basketball player. What will happen as, as the years go on in your coaching career develops is you will have some of these kids come back and they will tell you and it'll blow your mind. And they'll say, you know, you said thus and so, and I'll never forgot that. I've, ha- I've interviewed other coaches and teachers where this has happened. And sometimes one, one teacher in particular was telling me, I think he was uh, from your neck of the woods as well on the East Coast, that 20 years later, he and his family were sitting in a uh, McDonald's and this kid came up and said, Mr. So-and-so, you know, he was all excited. <laughs> and he said, and the guys look at him like, yeah, what? You know, <laughs> and then he began to tell him what he had said, which was something which probably he never even thought twice about saying and how it affect literally affected his life, got him out of the ghetto and he turned himself around and was a successful uh, um, man, husband and father. And it was because of what the coach had said to him. So I know, I think you said you have only been doing this for four years. So mm-hmm. you stick with that and remember that these kids I'm sure you are aware, are very impressionable, and they will appreciate what you say that might not even mean that much to you at the time, but they'll remember and they'll come back, and what a delight that will be for you when that happens, if it hasn't already. Yeah, and it hasn't happened on that kind of scale yet, uh, because these kids have not gotten to that age yet, but I had have, I've had those kids that, you know, appreciate um that I'm kind of tough on them at times. Okay. You know, they, 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 they appreciate that and they appreciate me, you know, taking them maybe one side to, on the side and doing a one-on-one just, okay, this is what you can do. You can do this. You're doing really good here. You keep doing that. You're going to be good. You know, those little things right. they appreciate. Right. I know that they appreciate it because they're telling me. So it's, it's amazing to hear what you, uh, that, uh, that gentleman's experience because I'm excited for when that, That's right. for when exactly. that happens. 
and you never know. You just mm-hmm. never know. You're doing you're doing your job. You're doing it from your heart, and you may never know. You know, yep. no, but it doesn't mean that it hasn't made an impact, and that's what's exciting. Absolutely. Now let's get back to depression for a moment. Mm-hmm. Do you do you believe that there are triggers that can send you back into depression once you maybe have felt that you've overcome that hurdle and is this something that we need to be aware of what those triggers may be like is this something that you talk about in coaching and what what are some of the skills or coping skills that we can do so that those triggers don't affect us i do, you know carol i i definitely believe there are triggers that can you know trigger maybe an old memory or something like that inside you <laughs> or a feeling that you had before mm-hmm. that can kind of pull you back because I've had that happen to myself, you know, when I start to feel too stressed out um, and I don't, you know, I'm not managing my stress properly, that kind of triggers me to start to, reg- I, I hate to use this word, but it, it really does happen, regress a little bit from where, I, where I've been going. So there's definitely triggers and it's part of the, the five keys uh, to creating happiness that I use in my talks are the things that I use on a daily basis for myself to be able to um, keep myself when those triggers do happen to refocus and get myself back to that place where I feel good. That even though this bad thing may be happening, that it's everything's going to be okay. Can you share those five keys with us? Sure. Uh, the one, the first one is always be you. Whatever, whatever that means to you, be yourself. Uh, put yourself around good people, uh, people that encourage you to be the best that you can be, that make you feel good about you, that you don't have to impress. They just like you for who you are. Uh, the third one is – What was the second one? Be, uh, the second one was putting yourself around good people. Oh, okay. So the friends that you keep, your, your, so, your associates, uh, whatever you would like to – call them, I guess. The The third one would be an attitude of gratitude. Be okay. grateful for what you have. Uh, I find in life too many times, uh, even myself for a very long time, couldn't look at my life and say, these are the little things that I have, and this is what's making my life great. Being able to appreciate the things that you already have and not wishing for more and more and more and more uh, right. is very key. Okay. Uh, the, f- the fourth one <clears throat> is... Living in the moment. I believe that living in the moment, like right now, this conversation, I am absorbed in our conversation. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what else is going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here. This is, I'm living this moment. I'm experiencing all the highs, all the lows, whatever it may be of this particular moment. It, it, that There's so much we can learn from our moments. Good, And it doesn't matter if it's a good moment, bad moment. We can learn from those every single moment. Right. And, protect ourselves, so to say, against putting ourselves in the same situation that caused us to have uh, sadness or uh, stress or anger and go do something that we know is going to give us possibly a different thing or something that we can replicate that was a good experience. And the last one, and this is the hardest one I feel for most people to do is, is make a decision. Make a decision that you want to be happy. Um, that is the one that really sets everything off 
out of the other four is being able to make a decision, say, you know, in your life, whatever it is that you want. For me, it was happiness. I wanted to be happy again. So I made a decision that no matter what happens in my life, I am going to work every day to get back to the point where I feel good about myself. I can wake up every day, get out of bed, not feel sad, not feel sorrow, uh, anxious, all the things that I have been feeling. I made that decision and that's what allowed me to get to even the, the starting point of this road that I've been on, this uh, journey now that I've been on. So basically these are coping skills, aren't they? Yeah, these are the coping <clears throat> skills that I teach that I teach in coachings that I do in my talks. What uh, do you call the five keys of what was that? Creating happiness. Okay. Yep, those are those are the key skills that I like to teach uh, everybody because I I truly believe that anybody can use those five things. Most importantly, make your decision and then the other four come much easier, of course. Anybody can take those five things and really change their mindset in the yes. way that's thinking. Yes. It's also their perception because mm -hmm. <clears throat> when we, we have a choice of how we're going to look at something, and this is what you touched on in one of these, you know, like living in the moment, we can, even if it's a difficult moment or a very negative moment in whatever area in our lives, if we can choose how we're going to look at it. And one of the ways that personally I do a lot of, and that is looking at what I can learn from it, whether mm -hmm. I did something really stupid like opening my mouth and putting my foot in it. I like doing that. So then what did I learn from that? Well, sometimes I can turn that right around and turn it into a huge joke, not only on myself, it makes everybody else feel comfortable. So even if something is really stupid or, you know, that we've done or something major, we can turn that around and turn it into something good and what we can learn from it. Don't ever do that again. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Very true. Very true. Put that up on your... Um, on your page as well so that it's like a little packet of goodies that we can look at every day and say today I will be myself I will put myself around good people I will have an attitude of gratitude and <clears throat> being content with what I have I will learn to live in the moment and I will learn to make a decision. It's better to make a decision than none at all even if it's a bad decision because you can always change that right? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely can always and change that decision. Do you know anybody that's made only good decisions? Not, not that I've ever met, no. <laughs> no, I haven't either. I've so. bad ones. <laughs> Anything else you want to expound on that? Oh, you're, you're definitely. And it's funny because you talk about making decisions as one of my key uh, to creating happiness. And my wife would laugh. She kind of laughs at this one, I should say, because you take me to uh, a clothing store or you take me to buy something, I am the worst. Like I will sit and ponder and ponder and ponder upon what am I going to get. Oh, you're one of those. Walk, oh, dear. And sometimes walk out with nothing because I'm just like, uh, <laughs> no, nope, I, I no. Is there any other coping skills? I mean, the, you pretty well, I think, got a handle on it there, unless there's something else that you want to expound on in that area. No, not nothing okay. to, to right. add. Okay. Now, what kind of groups do you speak to and what are you available for, et cetera? Share that a little bit with us. Well, at this time, I have had the opportunity to speak to two outpatient uh, mental health 
facilities, uh, which was really uh, a great experience to get in there and talk to some people that uh, were in definitely much worse places than I was. Right. But to see their faces light up with that Aww. that hope that you know life. Um, you know, I can I my life could be can be good, and then to talk with uh, a couple of them on a more personal level. And really kind of get that one-on-one of what their story was and just kind of sit back and listen was really something that was quite amazing. So I've done, I've spoke at, at those places, really available to be able to uh, speak with the youth. Uh, I really like speaking with youth because at their, at their age, especially if they're having a hard time, uh, you know, with depression, it's always nice to hear somebody that uh, has been able to bounce back. Yes. As I yes. to say. So being able to speak with youth is something that, uh, I, I enjoy, um, because that just comes naturally from my coach and be able to, to, to talk with the youth and relate to them. And that's what uh, your passion is. Oh yeah. I, my passion is definitely the youth, but really my talk, um, that I give, you know, I can kind of mold it, so to say to, uh, almost any audience as long as I know who's going to – the kind of people that are going to be of there, course, I can make sure course. I tailor it to uh, that group. So it's it, the avail- my availability to talk to – I don't want to say anybody, but to a wide range of groups is definitely uh, something that I can do. Okay. And what about your coaching like o- online or how are you available for that? Well, as far as the coaching goes, I can really – I'm versatile. Um, you know, if you, if you're within a certain distance, I'm more than happy to meet with, uh, as a one-on-one basis, you know, face to face, uh, have that real human connection. Um, uh, but you know, Skype, uh, FaceTime, any, any kind of technological advancement that we have. Definitely in, in speaking with you today, I mean, your passion to help people and especially those who have come from the same place where you have been mm-hmm. comes across clearly and, it's wonderful when we find people like you who are willing to give of themselves and not think, put themselves first, but because of what they've gone through, put somebody else first so that they can, they can glean from your experience. And it's beautiful. And you just don't know, just like with the kids, you know, who you will affect. Even one thing, I can remember things that teachers and different people in my life have said to me over the years, and it's amazing at some points where they just kind of pop up. It has been said that there, each person has seven people in their lives who has made an impact on them, and it might be from when you, when you were very young to just yesterday, but somebody will say something, and this, oh my goodness, that's what I needed to hear today, and it was something you'll never forget. So I appreciate, and it comes from passion, Jeremy, as you know, mm-hmm. and that passion of, of, of being kind and considerate of your fellow man and what they're going through and be able to reach out and help them, even more so when it's youth, as you said, because they're so, they're sponges and they get so much stuff in from so many different directions. It's wonderful to be able to put something positive in there. And so mm-hmm. I thank you. Oh, uh, you know, and I appreciate that, Carol. Uh, I don't think there's, I think, especially with youth, we're always looking, and even as adults, we're looking to be accepted yes. uh, by other people. And it's definitely more prominent with 
the youth for sure. Tell us about the book that you've got in the works. Okay. Well, what it is, is I'm taking like that short, very short version of the story that I, I give in my speeches and expanding upon that to really go into the details of things that happened in my childhood and what I felt and, you know, giving more story uh, to it because you only have so much time before, of course. Uh, in a speech. So, you know, to, to go into huge, a huge story would just uh, not be uh, advantageous to the people that are that I'm speaking to. So I'm really expanding upon that and then including also those five keys uh, to creating happiness in that. So it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be, you know, a very large book. It'll be more of, uh, you know, kind of a table read. Okay. A smaller book, but uh, it's definitely um, going to be uh, worth uh, for people that have, you know, something that they're going through, no matter what it is, uh, to take, you know, for a quick read to be like able a, to read. Like a handbook, so. maybe? Like a, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to that. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you. And for for me, I really appreciated what you said about the youth because that's my, where my passion and my heart is as well. And what they have to contend with now is nothing compared to what we had to, you know, in, when we were that age. So mm-hmm. it's wonderful to know that there are people out there such as yourself who can help, encourage, motivate, stimulate, and give positive feedback to and 13 to 15 year old range even more so so my hat is is off to you thank you so much jeremy for being on my show today and i am sure we will get some wonderful feedback and again thank you thank you oh you're very welcome carol thank you so much for having me it was a great pleasure thank you for listening to never ever give up hope Featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.